Good evening, everyone. Uh, today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. My name is Carter Laren, and you're watching Dangerous Thoughts here on Unsafe Space. Uh, welcome to the people who are watching on Rumble. We've had an increasing, a slowly increasing number of you decide to choose Rumble, so uh, appreciate that. For those of you who still are at YouTube, that's all right. So am I. Uh, howdy. Howdy, JB and Eloise in chat. Um, couple quick housekeeping things before we get started. Um, the next book club is November 27th. It is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It will be hosted by Richard Petz. He um, he also actually has a poem that's on unsafespace.com that we've, we've put out this week. And you can check that out there. But if you want to buy the book or, well, you can buy the book anywhere. You can buy it through us at unsafespace.com. If you want to participate, just email speak at unsafespace.com. Let us know that you want to be in book club on the 27th, and you can join him for a discussion on the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, let's see. Also, next week is Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving week. There will be no live Dangerous Thoughts show on Wednesday night, but I am going to try and write an article, as I have been doing, and then um, producing some sort of audio slash possibly video, but at least an audio recording of uh, either a reading of the video or discussion of the video as I've been doing so that people who want to just listen and not read have something to do on Thursday, I guess for the people who aren't football fans and are hanging out on the couch in a tryptophan coma. Um, what else? I think I've mentioned this a few times. Uh, we are doing, we are transitioning at Unsafe Space to uh, much more written content and a lot less video content. Video is not going to go away completely, but we are making that transition. Um, it's driven mostly by uh, the fact that this is what we want to do. We don't get paid to do this. This is, it's a hobby. So uh, <laughs> it's a money sucking hobby. So um, most of us would rather write, especially me. I would rather write. So that's what we're going to start doing. And we are going to make an effort to do things like put audio versions of stuff out so that you can, if you want to, you want to wash the dishes or, or clean the house while listening, you can still do that. So um, what else? Big shout out and thank you to those of you who still support us at unsafespace.com. You can go there and join them if you want. Uh, I guess that's all the housekeeping. I don't want to keep going into housekeeping. I think that's enough. If I'm missing anything, so be it. Oh, welcome. Chat just filled up a little bit more. Uh, Beverly's not here, Mr. Drummer, but uh, she was. She's she's the subject kind of. She's kind of the subject uh, of the article, and she has proofread the article and uh, knows about the fact that she's the subject of the article today. <laughs> she's not actually, but I used her namesake. Um, all right. Uh, Eloise says, I miss Carrie. Will she ever return as guest? No, never. I do not miss Carrie in the least. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Let me just go through. I'll show you. Just walk through. I'm just going to, like I have been doing, I'm just going to walk through this article. Um, it is called The Long March to Serfdom. And the question that I'm asking is really about the psychological and cultural effects of regulation. Um, 
And the impetus for this is obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious, <laughs> but it might be as soon as I say it. The FTX collapse uh, last week, it was a big deal. Um, people are still talking about it. And lit basically everyone, I haven't heard any mainstream person, not, you know, I haven't polled all of Congress, but I haven't heard anyone say anything other than we need more regulations. The White House press secretary talked about it. Uh, Biden's already released stuff on it. It's not surprising there. Um, the uh, Republicans have been talking about it. Um, Patrick McHenry, who's ranking member of the House uh, Financial Services Committee, talked about it. He said, oh, we need regulations. This shows that we need regulations. Um, mainstream media pundits talk about it, both on not just on like MSNBC and CNBC, but Fox News uh, talked about how important it was to have regulations. Um, and uh, and even the crypto CEOs talk about it. I mean, CZ told people that we need regulation. Uh, he's the Binance CEO. Brian Armstrong from uh, Coinbase wrote an op-ed about why we need crypto regulations. So it's kind of accepted common knowledge that uh, that we need more crypto regulations. Um and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I, I totally understand. But I wanted, I, I think partly the reason people uh, jump right to regulations is because of the time horizon by which they're judging outcomes of things. And I want to shift the perspective a little bit and talk about it uh, on a longer time horizon. So um, the... The kind of narrative of of free unregulated markets. Now, to be clear, crypto is not unregulated right now, so it's a it's a fallacy to say. And you hear it all the time. If you watch, uh, I do. I mean, mea culpa. I do watch CNBC often. <laughs> if you watch like CNBC, they'll they'll say the completely unregulated space. That's the problem. It's not completely. It's just not true. It's not true at all. It is regulated. It's not as regulated as some people would like, but it is regulated. In fact, the library just lost a, an SEC battle uh, last week um, in, in terms of arguing that their tokens didn't fall under the jurisdiction of SEC regulations. So it is regulated. I mean, if you look at the big players like Coinbase, they have cozy relationships with regulators. They're constantly calling for more and extensive regulation. They have regulation they comply with. So there is not the, the idea that it's unregulated is just false. But there is a narrative about uh, unregulated or less regulated markets, and the narrative goes something like this: um, you you know you've you've got some free trade going on, and eventually a bad guy comes along or someone nefarious, um, and he's a fraudster and he tricks people or bamboozles them or uh, or just offers a bad product. Like um, you know, one of the reasons for so. I don't know if a lot of you know, because uh, not not a lot of people do startup investing, but and and the rules might have changed actually in the last few years. I haven't paid attention, but you had to be an accredited investor to invest in startups, which uh, which means I think you needed to have a net worth of more than was it five million dollars, uh, something like that. Yeah, there was a threshold, uh, and um, the uh, the justification for it was they're protecting little old ladies from losing their life savings by putting it all like, backing Instagram and having Instagram fail. Um, 
But of course, it also means little old ladies can't put their life savings into Instagram and having Instagram succeed and get purchased by Facebook. Uh, so um, it it basically locked out locked out risk. So so there's there's a bunch of different regulations. Um, and the and the argument is without these regulations in the free market, something bad happens. There's some massive uh, explosion of some kind, either caused by a fraudster or just poor investment or whatever. Everything collapses. Little old ladies and innocent people lose their money. And um, and that's bad for everyone. No one likes it. There's a lot of wealth that's destroyed. And so the argument is, well, we have to step in and prevent this. No one wants to see people lose their money. No one wants to see bad investments. Now, of course, actual fraud is already illegal. That doesn't require regulations. If someone says, I'm going to sell you an iPhone, and then you know they instead just ship you an empty box, that's already illegal. So uh, we're talking about stuff above and beyond that. We're talking about hoops that you have to jump through or rules or reporting requirements or anything that's regulatory in nature rather than criminal. So um, the argument is we have to we have to do this. We have to uh, we have to regulate these markets. Otherwise, these bad things will happen. And um, to to have this discussion, I thought, let's use let's just let's just walk through um, the relationship between buyer and seller and how that evolves over time uh, based on uh, either bad behavior or failures. So for my buyer, I named my buyer Beverly. Uh, totally, totally a coincidence. By the way, this is Beverly's, uh, she calls it a peanut butter uh, bucket, which to me sounds like a bucket of peanut butter. It's like a Reese's peanut butter cup that's handmade. Anyway, uh, so I called the, the buyer Beverly and I called the seller Sam. Uh, in honor of Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried, who's got his initials SBF all over the news for the past, uh, well, more than the past week, but in a negative way the past week and uh, all over the news for the past year in a positive way. So um, if we think about how Beverly goes about buying her peanut butter bucket thing here, um, Every transition, and I'm gonna. I start with an easy one. That's because it's simple, and and my descriptions are almost gonna sound a little bit over the top and crazy. But she, every transaction she makes, there's a risk man management decision, and a process of due diligence that Beverly employs. Um, and for something as simple as buying a suite at a sweet shop. Uh, that's it's almost unnoticeable that process that she does right um, because there's very little risk. Maybe it costs you know four dollars and fifty cents, and you know what's the risk that it doesn't taste as good as last time, or that the guy takes her four dollars and fifty cents and runs away? Like it's it's a low risk transaction, um, and there's also like a minuscule chance that there's anything catastrophic that would happen, right? These they're it's it's almost a negligible probability that they're putting, you know, cyanide in, in the, the sweets that she's buying. Right. But, if, but it doesn't mean she doesn't have some kind of due diligence process. And you can imagine, you can, you can see that more clearly if something crazy happens. Like if she walks into the store and everyone is choking and dying uh, on the floor, you know, writhing around holding the peanut butter cups, and there's a guy from the local, you know, in, in a local prison jumper standing behind the counter offering free samples. She might at that 
time, that's when her due diligence process goes, whoa, 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 red flag. I'm like, this is, let's go somewhere else and buy a candy bar, right? So she has this process that she does. And of course, when she does something more uh, risky, more, more serious, more complicated, like buying a house, that process expands. So houses cost more than $4.50. Her process for buying a house is a lot more complicated than her process for buying peanut butter cups. And so uh, she does more. Her due diligence process expands because it's a bigger risk and, and her risk tolerance uh, in that situation requires more due diligence. Similarly, if Sam comes along and says, Hey, I've got this cool new financial instrument. You can make a thousand, or actually on crypto, sometimes it's even more. You can make a thousand percent in a year uh, with this. It, now, don't, don't worry your pretty little head. It's very complex. Uh, but, you know, you send me a check and, you know, you'll get a thousand percent return in a year. And it's very, you know, here's all the stuff that goes on. Now, she might, she ought to uh, have a very stringent due diligence process here. She might say, I need a lot of financial transparency. I need to understand what's going on. Uh, I need to see who your executives are and what the relationship is between this web of entities that you've, you've constructed. I need to understand what's actually happening. Otherwise, the risk here is pretty high. Um, and I'm not going to assume that um, I'm not going to assume that you are are above board. I'm, I'm gonna, I think it's too good to be true. I need a lot of information. And of course, um, with things like FTX, there wasn't a lot of information, right? There was um, one of the problems you see in the crypto space is just uh, an abhorrent lack of transparency, just people that, I mean, I, I had someone, I think I mentioned this on a show the other day, I had someone try and talk me into something and, and uh, I asked to, to, to know who the execs were, and I wanted to see the, the people behind it. And they were like they had like handles they had like internet handles and no pictures and and no names uh and, and you know i was like mm, no and later it turned out that one of them actually had been convicted of financial fraud in the past and this whole scheme collapsed and i'm glad i didn't invest so um uh you know the that that the risk management that Beverly would require should be a lot. Uh, her her due diligence process should be a lot more stringent. But sometimes she's going to fail. Sometimes that due diligence process due diligence process isn't enough. Um, either because she just had a poor process, her risk tolerance was too high, she was too risky, or something happened out of her control or that we, you know she didn't predict. I mean that you know competitors come in, financial you know markets change and whatever. Now. If this happens, let's assume that she's put enough of her money and she put a big nest egg, she put her whole nest egg in, and so she's devastated. And this is typically when the the story about the relationship between Sam and Beverly ends for, for a lot of people. This is when the analysis stops and they say, well, this is what happens with unregulated capitalism. Look at that. There's no guardrails. There's nothing to protect her. Poor Beverly. And um, the immediate conclusion that people jump to is, well, obviously someone needs to fix this. Someone needs to, and by someone they mean federal government, right? 
Federal government needs to step in and regulate this. There needs to be rules about what Sam can and can't do and what he has to say and what he can't say and the things, the way he has to do things. And he should fill out this paperwork and this. Blah, blah, blah. There should be rules. There should be regulations that Sam has to meet. Um, that way we'll prevent this from happening uh, to anyone in the future. That's the idea. And <laughs> Greg the Baritone says, was Bernie Madoff heavily regulated? Yeah, I'm trying to carve out. I mean, there are people who will... All, like fraud's always been illegal. So yeah. Um, but anyhow, I don't want to get bogged down actually in the FTX. I've talked about FTX. I, the, the unsafe space abstract, which I forgot to mention at the beginning is a weekly newsletter that we do every Saturday. If you want to sign up, go to unsafespace.com. There's a little 600 word description of the FTX debacle from last week in there. You can read quickly and get caught up to speed. I don't want to focus on FTX. I want to focus on this concept of regulation because people, like I said, that the story ends there and the conclusion by everyone is we need to, we need to regulate, regulate this to save Beverly and future Beverly's from um, being hoodwinked by Sam. Now, uh, that is a certain time horizon that like that analysis kind of ends there. It doesn't consider what's the world like in 50 years, right? Uh, it's not a long-term horizon. So let's look at the long-term if we don't do anything, and then we'll look at the long-term if we do. So if there's, and I say we, I mean the government. If the government doesn't step in, let's look at the, the quote, Wild West situation without the government and what happens over time. Well, um, so let's imagine that, you know, it's Wild West, there's no regulation. Now, Beverly loses her money. That, that's devastating for her. Um, but we can presume she's not a moron. And the reason we can presume that is if she is a moron, she will lose all of her money anyway. I mean, there's plenty of ways to lose your money. You can blow it on lottery tickets. Uh, in fact, lottery winners often blow it on other crap. So if Beverly's a moron, she will lose her money. That's That will just happen. There's no way to stop that. So let's assume she's not a moron. She's going to learn from this mistake. Not only will Beverly learn from this mistake, other, this mistake, other people will see, oh, uh, this is a risky thing. In fact, you see that happening now. You see all over CNBC and other uh, mainstream news organizations, you see people saying, well, there's a lot of concern about the crypto industry. Now, people are more hesitant to invest. They have tightened their... They're, they've contracted their risk tolerance with respect to crypto. Um, I think in some ways, rationally, uh, in some ways, irrationally, like Bitcoin and Ethereum are are not FTX, but a lot of stuff is kind of like FTX. So um, so they've contracted and that that's the response. And uh, so similarly, Beverly and anyone who witnesses this, right, or sees it just like we're seeing now, they adjust their due diligence process. They say, okay, well, I guess we need to be more careful because this kind of stuff is is risky, these Ponzi schemes. I, I don't know the details about whether, and no one does uh, yet, about whether specifically FTX was intentional fraud, uh, just incompetence. We, we, we don't really know. Um. So, so Beverly learns and she develops a due diligence process as do other people around her uh, that is more stringent. And this means that uh, people with more stringent due diligence processes end up 
losing less money. People who don't learn from this uh, continue to lose money and capital starts to accumulate into more responsible hands. Now, what happens without the regulations here to uh, the sellers, to Sam? What happens if Sam's unregulated? Well, uh, incompetent Sam's are going to get weeded out really quickly as soon as people realize like, oh, look at look how easy it is for an incompetent person to lose all my money. There needs to be a little bit more due diligence here before I do it. So the, the, the incompetent ones get weeded out with more and more effectiveness over time as people who lose money and people who see people lose money develop more due diligence or better due diligence. Um, and it's entirely possible that that due diligence process gets outsourced at some point because it's arduous and and um, and tedious. So you might have due diligence firms that pop up that you outsource due diligence to. Um, it doesn't really matter who does the due diligence so long as Beverly uh, accepts responsibility for the due diligence. Like it's her responsibility. She can outsource it, but as long as she accepts the responsibility, um, you get this kind of positive feedback loop with due diligence getting better and better and better. Now, with respect to fraud, if Sam, so that was incompetence, with respect to fraud, if Sam wants to uh, continue to hoodwink Beverly, it's going to get harder and harder and harder um, because the due diligence process isn't, you know, people are going to start catching on more and more. His schemes are going to have to get more complex, which is fine. Um, you know, not that he can't handle that. Maybe his schemes get more complex, um, tries to hide his fraud. Um, and, uh, you know, more complex does mean that they become more fragile, uh, but, uh, so maybe they'll fail more quickly, but, um, he's also going to have an incentive to bribe the due diligence firms, right? But to do that, it's a competitive market. He's got a, you know, he's got to bribe multiple firms. He can't bribe one and then, you know, the one un uncovers what he's doing and cause he didn't bribe that one. So he's got to spread his resources, uh, across due diligence firms and, uh, you know, the firms themselves have very little uh, incentive, in fact, a strong disincentive to engage in institutionalized corruption. In other words, he might be able to flip a person at a firm, but the firm itself is not going to do that because if they get caught, their business is absolutely destroyed. Even if a person gets caught, that firm's business might be destroyed. And so firms that are lax about hiring or uh, do bad jobs they also in the free market end up going away and better firms end up taking their business. That's all kind of standard free market, standard free market stuff. So, um, so this, this due diligence process gets more and more careful, but let's talk about what happens culturally over time here. Um, Cause I think this is actually more important. What you have culturally, you know, there are part of culture is, 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 the attitudes and behaviors and norms for how we interact with with one another, even in a business sense. So, for example, um, I spend a lot of time in Japan. In Japan, um, the way that you conduct business meetings is very, very different. The norms are very different. In fact, uh, one thing that I learned the hard way over there is uh, during a negotiation, the others, they'll never say, the Japanese will never say no. Maybe they've gotten better. This was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They'll never say no. Uh, in fact, the words that I often heard was, we will study. We will study. Uh, and, you know, my my colleagues and I left the first couple times that happened. My colleagues and I left. Well, good. They're going to they're gonna study. 
that means that they're going to think about, you know, they're going to study what we proposed. Uh, and we would come back at the next meeting and say, like, did you study what we proposed? And they would be like, oh, we, we will, we're studying. And, you know, finally, someone explained to us, you morons, we will study means go away. No, there's no way we're doing this. Um, that's just like a cultural, we, we didn't understand. If you're in Ohio and you walk into a shop in Ohio and you want to buy a shirt, and you start haggling with the person behind the counter, they're going to look at you like you're a crazy moron because you don't haggle over the price of a shirt at a store at a mall in Ohio. But if you're in Shanghai, they'll laugh at you if you don't haggle over the price of a shirt because you're supposed to haggle. You're expected to haggle. Again, last time I was in Shanghai, that might have changed as well. But these these norms change. And one of the norms um, is how much due diligence is, is expected, right? How much personal responsibility is taken when you invest? How much due diligence is expected? And in an environment where people continually suffer the consequences of their own poor judgment, you end up with um, actually less risk tolerance. So you, you end up with more risk aversion because there's no safety net. So you end up with a culture that's more risk averse. They're not willing to like SBF comes along and offers a thousand percent. They're like, ah, I don't know. I'm pretty skeptical about this. Right. Because I'm, I'm very careful with what I do with my money. I'm not going to be risky with it. Um, and so, uh, you get kind of this less speculative behavior, um, more responsible behavior. And you end up with a sense of personal responsibility. You end up with people feeling like, well, if I fail, it's my fault. If I invest money and it gets lost, that's my fault, right? And maybe that's okay. Maybe there's a certain percentage of my money that I'm willing to risk and I know it might go to zero and that's fine. Um, but that comes with this sense of like, that breeds a sense of individual responsibility, right? Uh, a sense of individual sovereignty, right? It's a, it's a move towards that that rugged individualism of the past. It's a, it's a move towards self-governance. It's this, it's a self-ownership of your, your, the results are your fault, good or bad, right? And that becomes kind of a norm. It becomes kind of a cultural norm. Um, so if someone stood up and said, you know, I invested in this thing and it failed and it's the other person's fault because I didn't understand it, the cultural norm becomes to look at you like you're crazy and go, well, what do you mean? It's your... It's your fault because people are viewed as adults who have agency. Um, so you get that kind of, again, I'll call it like a rugged individualism thing. And, and you know, this is the reason this isn't foreign to people. Like I'm not, this isn't something that I just came up with on my own. This isn't a foreign thing. This is why you don't do, when your kid doesn't complete her homework on time, you don't do it for her. You let her suffer the consequences, if you're a decent parent, of not doing her homework because she needs to learn to do her own homework, right? You don't. You don't uh, enable your your children to make errors and never learn from them. You need them to learn uh, on their own. So you let them suffer the consequences. I mean, unless the consequences are huge, like they run into traffic, you don't let them do that. But like, you know, you let them suffer from the consequences as much as you can. Likewise, this idea of having personal responsibility for your own risk tolerance and your own due diligence pro due diligence process that you must employ when you invest money uh that's something that you learn and you learn it through sometimes the hard way 
if you're lucky, you learn it just you you absorb it through culture because there's a culture around you of people who are careful with their money. Okay, so that's kind of what happens in the long run. That's a long that might take generations. That's like a long-term cultural trend that happens. So you end up with these people that have this sense of like, I'm responsible for myself. And you know what? Uh it's my job to be to to, to manage my own risk. Okay, what if we instead do what we currently do, which is we have the government regulations come in to rescue us. So instead of kind of letting this short-term pain uh, and long-term cultural growth percolate in, in society, what we do is Beverly gets upset. She's embarrassed that she lost money. She writes letters to Congress. They change the law or they what, what they do is they increase. They either create a new department or something for protecting Beverly or more likely often they just throw more money at some existing department. They expand its scope and power. Now, um, of course, the money to expand that scope and power or to start the new department needs to come from somewhere. So that's basically borrowing, printing, taxing. Those are the three places that it comes from. They never cut something else. So it'll come from, from that. So who's paying that? Well, that's a socialized cost, which means the people who weren't Beverly, the people who didn't invest in Sam are paying. Granted, they might not notice because each little new thing is just some small chunk uh, of, of their tax bill, right? It adds up, but they, you know, they might not notice this particular chunk. But all the non-Beverly's are paying a little bit to subsidize this agency that's really just for Beverly's benefit, because no one else is, you know, only the Beverly's are going to make this stupid mistake. So, so there, so now you're subsidizing bad decision making. Uh, you do get what you pay for. So that happens. Now the new regulators, let's assume that they're, you know, honest, good people who are trying to go out there and root out the next Sam. They don't want Sam to happen again. Um, and so they consult with his colleagues. They hire some people from the industry. They develop a set of rules. And um, yeah, the rules aren't going to be perfect. And they'll be slow-moving rules. And they'll rarely get updated, which is part of just being part of the political process. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, but they'll be enforced uh, at gunpoint. And Beverly will feel safer. Um, now these new rules might increase the cost of doing, they probably will increase the cost of doing legitimate business in whatever industry Sam is in. Um, but the big players won't mind. The big corporations will like that because, uh, they can absorb those costs very easily and startups can't. So it kind of solidifies their market position. So, you know. Uh, only the tiny voices complain about that. The big voices are like, yes, regulate us. That's why you have the CEO of, of Coinbase saying, we want more regulation. Of course you do. Of course you do. Um, it also gets them off the hook when something goes wrong. It's not their fault. Same reason Zuckerberg wants regulation of Facebook. So what will happen? Well, the regulations, let's assume that they're going to work to some extent. I mean, you know, we don't, we can't be completely cynical about this. Okay. Let's say that, you know, they'll catch general ineptitude, people who can't follow the rules. They will catch 
copycat scammers, people who are trying to do the same thing that Sam did last time. Uh, so that's good. And they'll catch these and, you know, people, the politicians will say, look how we saved you. We saved Beverly. Um, and people will kind of move on and say, okay, well, this problem's mostly solved. Now, um, this is in contrast to what they would do in a free market. In a free market, they would not move on and say the problem's mostly solved to themselves. They would say, oh, it's my job to get better at due diligence. But in this case, they'll be like, oh, good. I don't have to really focus too much on increasing my due diligence process. Washington's taking care of it for me, right? Um, maybe not completely. Maybe they still increase their due diligence process a little bit, but not as much as they would have. They certainly feel like they're someone's got their back, right? So... Uh, their risk tolerance maybe doesn't go down. Maybe it increases a little bit more. Um, and instead of moving towards this sense of independence, now Beverly and her ilk are, they kind of shrink into a little bit more dependence. Mom did their homework for them. Uh, mom did the homework. So uh, they'll never learn their algebra. They'll never learn their math because mom's doing their math homework for them but they feel good about themselves and they feel protected from having to do math. So um, so what happens on Sam's side? What pressures apply to Sam? Well, uh, he doesn't have the free market evolving due diligence process to combat. I mean, that may still exist to some extent, but it's not going to be as virulent as it was without government regulations because everyone's kind of like, wow, there's regulations for stuff, right? So that's an easier target for him to, to skirt. Um, and he's so because because, you know, the, her audits, her due diligence is, is you know, it, not completely perfunctory, but partially. Uh, he does have to outwit the regulators, but that's not super hard because the regulation doesn't change very often. So he's got a long time to study it and, and figure out a way around it. Um, and just like in the free market, he has an incentive to corrupt the people doing due diligence, which in this case is the regulators. Now, corrupting a single regulator, single regulatory agency, is actually much easier than corrupting an entire free market with freelance due diligence people, because you can focus all your resources on one. So he'll probably do that. Now, to make matters worse, Let's assume there's going to be another failure in both cases, in the free market and in the and in the government regulation environment. There's probably going to be a failure here. Someone's going to miss something. Another Sam's going to get away with something. Now, in the free market, um, if you hire due diligence firms and they miss something and the whole thing collapses because it was actually a stupid idea in the first place, um, or you do the due diligence and it collapses, uh, well you'll increase your due diligence. So you'll learn. And if you hired a firm, they'll lose money. You're probably not going to hire them again. You'll hire a, the better firm that said not to invest. So money ends up getting siphoned from bad decision makers to good decision makers. Um, because the bad decision makers have suffer from consequences. There's consequences. The reverse is true in the, in the government regulation environment. Um, failure is actually rewarded in government regulation. Let's assume that Sam corrupts. So if he corrupts a, let's assume he corrupts a person in the free market uh, and, and that gets found out. 
well, they're going to lose their job for sure. And that firm is going to be damaged pretty severely. If he, if he corrupts someone in the government regulatory office, that person, let's hope they get punished. They might not even lose their job, but let's hope they get some kind of punishment. Well, what's, what's going to happen to the regulatory agency? Do they lose funding? Do they, uh, do people say, well, I'm not going to rely on you anymore. You, I'm going to pay someone else. My tax dollars are going to some other agency. No. Well, what they do is they go in front of Congress and they say, well, the reason that we didn't catch this, the reason that this guy got bribed is we didn't have enough oversight or the reason that they were able to get away with X, Y, Z is we don't have enough resources. It will all boil down to, we don't have enough resources. And because the population now is in a mindset where they expect to be taken care of by the regulator. They're not expecting to have to do due diligence on that level. It's the regulator's job. They will be upset and politicians will say, well, I'll take care of it for you. We'll increase the funding of the regulatory body so that this doesn't happen again. And thus the cycle continues. Now, what's happening here psychologically is that once once Beverly surrenders this self-responsibility, this self-ownership, the minute she does that, um, she's put herself in a really difficult situation psychologically. Um, every new encounter that she has with Sam is in the back of her mind, she's got this kind of feeling that, well, there's a regulatory agency that has my back. And not just in the sense that they vetted him, he's got a stamp of approval, so he's probably good. They wouldn't let him do this if it was wrong, right? That's the mindset. Aside from that, even if she gets defrauded again, even if they fail, she has an outlet through which to dump all of the blame, all of her blame. She can take all of her blame and dump it on the regulatory agency, all the things that she did wrong. So instead of instead of in the free market case where she would say, well, what did I do wrong this time? I got to learn. I got to get better. She can just say, I was defrauded again. It's your fault, regulators. So she doesn't have to accept any blame. And um, what happens is she just doubles down on the victimhood mentality that she began when she asked someone to fix her bad decision-making to save her from her bad decision-making earlier on. So now she's more, she's doubled down. She's doubled down on her victim status, right? Um, which by the way, is a form of dependence. So now she's more dependent than she was in the past, which is why also, if you come to her and you say, Hey, I think we should stop this. I think we should reduce regulation or get rid of this regulatory body. Um, that kind of suggestion, I mean, try it sometimes. Try try telling someone sometime, even if you don't believe this, try telling someone sometime, oh, the FDA should be abolished. Um, you'll just get, you, you'll be met with kind of incredulity. They'll think that you're a crazy person, right? Um, as, if, as if people would be poisoning you without the FDA. Your meat would be poisoned, right? That's what they would do. Um, cause that's good for business, killing your customers. Uh, now the, I think the reason for such a strong psychological reaction to anything like this, to any suggestion that even you dial down regulation, you don't have to say ban it. What if we do less regulations? You get such a strong reaction emotionally to this because 
dialing down regulation requires um, reabsorbing the culpability that you had for whatever happened to you. So Beverly, when, when Beverly turned to regulators, she got to relieve herself of some sense of responsibility. And it hurts to know you made a mistake, that you were incompetent. We're all incompetent sometimes. It hurts to know you were incompetent with the decision that you made. Um, it's very difficult to handle, especially if you have completely forgotten it and transferred that responsibility to someone else. And you've been doing that for years. And along comes this free market jerk who's like, well, actually, maybe it should be your responsibility. That's not something that you want to face. That opens up Pandora's box, because if it should be your responsibility now, it should have been your responsibility the whole time, which means you've been relying on someone else to take care of you. No one wants to think that's the case. So um, instead of the culture evolving over time towards the sense of personal responsibility and individual agency and this rugged individualism, instead you get a shift towards uh, subservient docility uh, and most of all dependence you get this shift towards dependence on the government for you know taking care of you for making sure that you're safe and okay you move away from being a fully actualized human and closer to being a tax animal an animal on a tax farm right um so it you know, this whole thing, I put aside the whole moral argument about whether government has a right to be involved in transactions between individuals. Obviously, most people who watch the show know what I believe about that. But um, you can put the morals aside and you can just extend your time frame. Instead of looking at what happens immediately after Beverly loses money in the near future or in the midterm, you can say, what happens to the culture over a long period of time? If this is the kind of thing that we do, if we constantly tell people when you fail, what we need to do is fund another agency or give them more money to make sure that you're protected from shooting yourself in the foot again in the future. It's not your fault. You couldn't have known this person was a bad meanie and you should be sheltered. That results in exactly the kind of culture that the World Economic Forum wants. That results in a bunch of people who are dependent who say, oh, I'll own nothing and be happy. Okay, it results in a classist structure of elites who are willing to make decisions for you, of administrators who tell you what to do and manage your life. It is the opposite of liberty. It's the opposite of the spirit of America. It's the opposite of what the founding fathers imagined. If you want a culture, so laws don't make the country. The the culture, the people make the country. It doesn't matter what's written. I've said this a million times. It doesn't matter what's written in the Constitution. I mean, it matters. I, I care. But fundamentally, it doesn't matter. If the people want the words to mean a certain thing, because that's their sentiment, they'll make the words mean that to them. That's how they'll behave. So a population full of docile, dependent, subservient sheep who are happy to eat the bugs and own nothing they're never going to give you liberty, no matter what's in the books, no matter what's written on the books. They will always, always abdicate responsibility. They'll always uh, gladly hand their freedoms over to someone who is willing to take the reins of power and tell them what to do. 
that's that's the culture that you generate if you if you go down this path. And you know, someone in chat early on said it seems like it's not a long road. The title of this was Long March. That's a reference to uh, Communist China March. I think it actually has been a long march. We're just very near the end of this long march right now. If you want liberty, if you want to move the culture, if you want a country that has liberty, that supports liberty, um, then what you need to have is a population capable of taking care of themselves, willing to take personal responsibility, not wanting to be caged, not wanting to cage other people, our population that rejects the idea that someone needs to keep them from harming themselves, and that's willing to deal with the fact that sometimes bad that means sometimes people will get hurt. It doesn't mean you can't have charity. It doesn't mean, you know, people can't help each other. It means there is no daddy. If you want a daddy to take care of you, you're not going to end up with liberty. Those two things are incompatible. With liberty comes responsibility. And if we have a population who can't be responsible because they've been trained to not be responsible, because the incentives have been set up for them to get comfortable in a dependent role, then we'll never have the liberty that people want and imagine that we once had uh, in this country. So uh, that's it for this article. If you want to read the article, uh, I encourage you to do so. It's, I think the article says it better than whatever I just said, but hey, um, it's up at unsafespace.com. Again, it's called Long March to Serfdom. Uh, <laughs> our Arnawa says abolish the ATF. Uh, hey, no argument there. Um, let me just uh, go through chat. Is there any chat like important or counter arguments that I that I missed? Uh, I don't think so. But uh, let's see. George says, I would add that they will vote for eating bugs, but not be happy when they get them. <laughs> yeah, well, but then the 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 response will be, if you're not happy, what you need to do is fund more bugs will make you happy. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Um, so, all right. Thank you all for watching. That is, that's the end for today. And I kept it under an hour. So, yay, that's been my goal. Um as I said, next week there's not going to be a live show, but I will I'll write something and and get some kind of audio version up so you guys can have something to listen to. And uh, what's going on this week? I don't know if there's anything else this week. There was a Keith uh, uh, earlier today did a an interview with TC from Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. For those of you who remember him, friend of the show, and they talked about both him and Lisa Hansen. I think he's going to do another interview with Lisa Hansen next week. So. Stay tuned for that. And uh, in the meantime, have a good rest of the week. And uh, I will see you guys later. Please, uh, you know, I know not all of you read. That's fine. If you don't read, don't read. But if you do read, go to unsafespace.com. Start reading some of the stuff we're putting out. We are trying to write more and sign up for the abstract, which even if you don't read a lot, is a pretty cool little Saturday morning newsletter that gets you caught up on all the, all the week's news. So take care, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. 
And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.